What's going on, family? And welcome to the Preach Christ podcast. I am your host, Norris Johnson II, and it's so good to be here with you today. I pray that all is well, that your family's well, that your cousin well, that your kinfolk well, that everybody's doing wonderful, that everybody's doing good. I can't wait to share with you the message that I have today. I guarantee you it's going to bless you. It is a message from our Thursday service, and so you're going to be tuning in to what I recorded for our church, and I know it'll be a blessing for you. So don't turn, stay right there and check it out. I want to get into the message that I have for you today. And I promise you, I'm not going to be long. I'm not going to be extra uh, and I'm not going to do too much. But I want to give you this word um, that God gave me. And I think that it is so vital and so important for us right now. Now, I know we just talked about um, Obed-Edom. I know we just talked about the blessing of David and all those things. But I want to talk about something specific that I believe will help us in our walk with God and our walk with God. A lot of us really don't understand what it means for God to come into our lives, to change us, to rearrange us, to make us new and to do all the things that he said that he would do. A lot of us don't know what that means. And a lot of us don't know what that looks like. But I want to be just a blessing to you, a voice to you. I want you to see that the Lord loves you and that he's after you. And so today's message or today's title, I guess I would give you is, am I clean? Am I clean? Am I clean? Am I clean? Uh, in the book of John, the 13th chapter, we see that Jesus is getting to the end of his ministry. He's getting to the end of his time. And you would excuse me for looking down because I'm in my Bible at the same time. But Jesus is coming to the end of his ministry. We see in John chapter 12, I believe it's verse 27, that Jesus, his soul is becoming grieved now. His heart is becoming grieved now because his time is here. His time is here. Literally, the, the reason for him being alive, the reason for him coming to earth has now come. He is now getting ready to die. He's not getting ready to die on the cross. And this is a major thing for all of his disciples. This is a major thing for just for just the world at this time. And since his time is here, since the moment has arrived, he now feels the pressure of it. And the Bible says that his soul was crushed with grief, that his heart and his soul was crushed with grief, but that he wasn't going to back out of the moment. He wasn't going to back out of the promise that he made to come down and save us and deliver us from our sins. He wasn't going to back out of that. But the realness of the season had come. And so we see that in John chapter 12. And so in John chapter 13, verse 1, it says this. This is John chapter 13, verse 1, and this is the English Standard Version. John chapter 13, verse 1. It says, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to, to the Father, Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. This is the beginning of the Last Supper. At the time when Jesus knew that it was time for him to leave the earth, depart, and go to the Father, basically to be crucified and to go back to where he came from, to go back to the Father, when he knew that the time had come for that, then the, then the Passover started, then the feast started. But the Bible says something so powerful, and I want you to catch this. It says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. It's saying 
coming into the knowledge and being fully aware that he is getting ready to go to the father. It also he's also aware of his extreme love for the people that he has as his own in the world. And when it says he loved them to the end, it's, it's basically saying, and now he was getting ready to show them the full extent of his love. Now he was getting ready to show them the full extent of his love. This is unique because, let me just say this. One of the things you really need to understand, you really need to understand this, okay? This is the one thing you need to understand. <laughs> you need to understand that Jesus is God, okay? You need to understand that Jesus is God. Jesus was not just some man. Jesus was not just a guy with good principles. He was not just a guy that can help you live a better life and help you love you more. Jesus was and is God. Jesus was and is God. He was God when he came on the earth. He was God when he left the earth. He was God before he got to the earth. There was one writer named J.I. Packer who wrote this book called Knowing God. I recommend it to you. And in this book, J.I. Packer makes a powerful statement. He says, what trips up atheists and what trips up people who don't believe in Jesus and who don't believe in God or anything like that, what trips them up the most is not that Mary was a virgin and got pregnant. It's not that Jesus uh, died on the cross and rose again. None of those things trip up atheists the most. He said, what trips up atheists the most is that God came down as a baby and subjected himself to the process of man. What do I mean by that? Jesus, being God, came down as a baby, sat in Mary's stomach, was birthed, had to learn how to walk, had to learn how to talk, had to learn how to say gaga, dada, had to learn how to eat, had to learn how to crawl. God being fully God subjected itself to the process of man. And what trips up atheists the most is that they don't understand how God could do that. You see, a lot of us probably think that Jesus was inside of Mary's stomach reading the Bethlehem Times. No, he was a baby. And he subjected himself to the processes of man. Him being God, him being most holy, him being above all, in all, through all, all those things subjected itself to be a child, subjected itself to go through puberty, subjected itself to go through uh, 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 sickness, subjected itself to go through um, different things of that nature. He subjected itself to that, being God. And he did that because of his love for you. This is the most humiliating thing in the world. This is the most humiliating, humiliating thing in the world. God ruling the universe, being full of everything, good and, and, and holy and righteous, subjected itself to that of a baby for you. This is a powerful thing. And so having, having you know, all things in his hand, he still subjected himself to being a man. This is very important, okay? 
So when you understand that he is God, when you when you understand that he's God while he's talking to them, while he's walking with them, while he's living with them, you'll see the power of the little things he did. You'll see the power in the little things he did. So having loved his own who were in the world, he now loved them to the end. He now was getting ready to show them the full extent of his love. This is John chapter 13, verse 2. So now we're in the Last Supper. And it says, during the supper, during supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. The devil had already put in the heart of Judas the desire or the plan, the plot to betray Jesus. This was during the supper. This is while Judas is sitting with Jesus, eating bread, Chick-fil-A, whatever he's doing. He's sitting with Jesus and the devil had already now put in his heart to betray Jesus. It's already festering inside of him to betray Jesus. This is a unique thing because 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 when we talk about being clean, we're going to we're going to contrast Judas and we're going to contrast Peter in this story. We're going to contrast Judas and we're going to contrast Peter. So pay attention, follow along in this. Do not turn this channel. This is good. Judas sitting in the supper had already had his heart prepped by Satan to betray Jesus. He was already prepped to do what he was going to do. He was already set in his ways to do what he was going to do. Now, here's, here's the thing. How was Judas open for Satan to come fill his heart and make him turn against God? How was he open? Well, if you paid attention through the scriptures, you'll find out in John chapter 12, when this woman comes and tears open this, this, this uh, box of expensive perfume and pours it on Jesus, the Bible says that Judas gets mad and Judas looks up and says, hey, we could have gave that to the poor. We could have done this with it. We could have done that with it. And then Jesus says, chill out, leave this woman alone. You'll always have the poor with you, but you won't always have me. She did this for my burial. Then John makes a statement and says, it's not that Judas cared about the poor, but it's that he was in charge of the money bag and he would steal money out of it every now and again, which means that while he was walking with Jesus, he had a secret lifestyle where he would steal money. He had a secret lifestyle of sin while he was walking with Jesus, unrepented sin, not struggling, not fighting not wrestling in himself. He was secretly doing what he wanted to do. And when you live a life full of secret sin, when you live a life full of secretly doing what you want to do without repenting, I mean the lifestyle you want to live, the thing you want to do. I'm not talking about you battling in yourself. I'm not talking about you fighting in yourself. I'm not talking about you wrestling in yourself and you like, man, I, you know, there are some things that I'm struggling with that I don't know I don't know how to stop this. I'm talking about you living a life that you are comfortable with. As a matter of fact, we become so comfortable in our lifestyles of sin that we actually start to make it seem like God is okay with the stuff that we do. Like God is cool with the mess that we choose. Like God is cool with the relationship that he told you not to get in. Like God is cool with the weed that you smoke or like God is cool with the with the with the times that you get drunk or the things that you do. And and uh in a we make it seem like everything is okay in that. And Judas was living a secret lifestyle the whole time he was walking with Jesus. Here's my question. How many of us are living a lifestyle secretly while we claim to be walking with God? 
while we claim to be walking with God. There's a grace period where you can walk with God and you can play your little game. And it'll seem like it's working for a minute, especially if you anointed or gifted. You see it all the time with preachers that just are just so gifted that they make the hairs on your head stand up. And they just they just they just bring goosebumps all down your spine. But they're living two different lives. And for a while, you don't notice it. But then after a moment, it seems like Satan has prepped their hearts and they've partnered with him to live the lifestyle that they want to live. This is what's happening with Judas. Judas, his heart has been prepped by Satan to betray Jesus. You don't know that little by little, the compromise that you do, little by little, your heart is being prepped. Your heart is being prepped. What is it being prepped for? It's being prepped for the big breakup. Hear me. Your heart is being prepped for the big breakup. When you sin little by little, when you do what you want to do little by little, when you give in little by little, your heart is being prepped for the big breakup. Satan has made you fat for the killing. He knows sooner or later you're about to leave God and all of this stuff behind because you become so comfortable in the wrong thing that the right thing seems offensive. Check this out. The Bible says in verse three. After it says that about Judas, this is John chapter 13, verse three. The Bible says in verse three, Jesus, knowing that the father had given all things into his hands, he knows that he's God. He knows that he has all power and that he had come from God and was going back to God. He rose from the supper. He laid aside his outer garments. He took off his outer clothes and he took a towel and tied it around his waist. And then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples feet. And he began to wipe them with this towel that that was wrapped around him. Check this out. He came to Simon Peter. And he said to and, uh, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet or are you getting ready to wash my feet? Verse seven, Jesus answered him and said, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward, you're going to understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. You will not wash my feet. You see, to wash somebody's feet back then was extremely humbling. That is the nastiest part of a person in that time. Why? Because they walked on dusty roads. They lived lives where they didn't have Jordans. They didn't have Balenciagas. They didn't have sneakers. They had sandals. And your feet was the dirtiest part of you. It was the most dirtiest part of you. And Jesus chose to wash their feet randomly. And Peter is like, you're not going to touch the dirtiest part of me. You're not going to degrade yourself like that. You are above that. You are God. You, 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 you shouldn't even want to be associated with the nastiest part of me. Have you ever felt like you were so nasty that God was done with you? Have you ever felt like you did so much that God was just done with you, that God wouldn't want to have nothing to do with you? What Jesus is doing here physically is showing me and you symbolically that God is never afraid to touch the dirtiest part of your life. I don't know if God could use me anymore. I'm divorced. I don't know. I don't know if God could use me anymore. I done slept with so many women in the church, out of the church. I, I just don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. You, you think, you think, you think God could use a drug addict? 
You think you think God could use somebody who just can't stop cheating on their wife or I can't stop cheating on my husband? You think you think you think God can touch a life like that? Jesus shows us as God. I am willing to touch the dirtiest part of you. Now, this is offensive to Peter. So Peter says, uh, Lord, do not touch my feet. You are not going to wash my feet. And Jesus answered him and said, if I do not wash you, you will have no part with me. If I'm not allowed to touch the dirty parts of you, you can't be a part of me. You can't have relationship with me. If you don't let me touch the dirtiest parts of you, says God, you can't have relationship with me because I can't have relationship with somebody that's covering up dirt. You don't have to cover up your dirt. But if you hide your addiction from me, if you got everything that you want me to touch right here, but you set aside something over here, and said, no, 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 God, you know, you can have my lying, you can have my cheating, you can have my stealing, but please do not touch my fornication. Please do not touch my insecurity. Please don't touch my pride. Please don't, please don't touch my trauma. No, please don't touch my bitterness. They deserve to get back the stuff that they didn't gave out to me. Please don't touch that. You see, it's powerful now because we understand that Jesus really wants to touch the dirtiest parts of us, not just not just to clean us, but to identify with us and to completely make us whole and show us that we should never be afraid to touch the dirtiest part of somebody else. One of the craziest things about church and Christianity now is that everybody act like they always been what they are. No, you weren't always nice. You weren't always cool. You weren't always saved. You weren't always not sleeping around. Wasn't it just four years ago that you couldn't walk into a grocery store without seeing somebody you slept with? You weren't always like this. And so if Jesus is not afraid to touch the dirtiest parts of other people, why do we act afraid to touch the dirtiest parts of other people? Why do we act like God just... Stop healing people when it came to us. Come on now. Jesus says, if you don't let me wash you, I don't have, you can't have relationship with me. Uh, this is where we get to a very, very powerful point, guys. You ready? Verse nine, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, don't just wash my feet then, wash my head, my hands, and every part of me too. And Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash. Listen, okay, I'm going to say this one more time. This is so good. He says, the one who has bathed, the one who took a bath, does not need to wash, except for his feet. But he, uh, because he is completely clean. And he says to Peter, you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. Now, let's unpack all of that really quickly. Let's go back. Jesus says to him, the one who has bathed does not need to take a bath. 
except for his feet. He is completely clean. All that needs to be washed is his feet. All that needs to be washed is his feet. Jesus later says, you are washed by the word that I gave you. Here's the unique thing that a lot of you aren't understanding. There are many of you that have given your life to God. This is the big point of what I'm saying. There are many of you that have given your life to God. You are saved. Jesus says, you are washed by the word that I gave you. You're washed by the word that I've given you. You're washed, hear me y'all, by the word that I've given you. What does that mean? When you believed the word of God over your life, when you believed his gospel, the fact that he died, rose again for your sins and that he wants you, when you believed that, when you trusted in that, you were saved. At that point, if you really believed in that, at that point, the Holy Spirit came into you and your spirit, which was dead in trespasses and sins, came alive. It came alive and you became saved. You were saved. You were changed. You were saved. You were changed if you believed the word that he spoke over you. And so he says, somebody that has taken a bath does not need to take a shower. Somebody that has already been clean doesn't have to keep getting in the tub. Doesn't have to keep being clean. What is he saying? Those of you that got saved don't need to keep coming up to the altar trying to get resaved. If God saved you, you are saved. I'm going to just pause and just stare at the camera because I, I don't I don't I don't think we get that. If God saved you, you are saved. He says, you are clean. Now he's talking to Peter. He says, you are clean. But the only part of you that needs to be washed is your feet constantly. I need to keep washing your feet. What is the first washing that he's talking about when he talks about um, those of you that have bathed don't need to wash? That bathing, that first part he's talking about is just is 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 uh, what we call regeneration, not justification. Regeneration. That means that God has completely renewed your inner life. This is uh, 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 when it says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When you got saved, you became a new creature. You were regenerated by the word. God calls it the washing of regeneration. Regeneration. That means that who you were has changed molecularly. You have changed. There are things in you that are not the same anymore. What you were comfortable with before, you are no longer comfortable with. When he washed you, when you believed that word and you gave your life to him for real, that first time and you were serious and you were deeply, deeply serious, God regenerated you. You were changed. You used to cuss them out and not think nothing about that. Now you cuss them out and you can't get it out your head. You used to be able to just to just leave the shopping cart wherever you wanted to leave it. Now you feel convicted when you leave a shopping cart wherever you want to leave it. And now and now you got to go push it back. I'm being I'm being tongue in cheek and being 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 funny. But I want you to understand that when that when God regenerates you, you are changed. That's that first washing. He regenerated you. He changed you. He brought your spirit back to life. And then the Bible says he justified you. That means he set you in right standing with God. When you were regenerated, you don't have to be regenerated over and over again. You were regenerated. 
You were justified. You were changed. But then he says, the only thing you need to wash is your feet. Why did he say that? Theologians believe that he was saying this because your feet, if, you know, after, 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 you, after you've washed and after you've come out of the bathroom, the first part of you that comes in contact with the earth is your feet. He has to wash you because he has to cleanse your daily walk. You have to live a repentant life. You have to live a repentant life. When he washes your feet, he's helping you to live a repentant life. He's helping you to submit your life over and over again. There are things that we slip up and do every day. And that is that, that, is that walk of repentance. That is that feet washing that Jesus does daily over us. Every day, my mind has to be renewed. Every day, my heart has to be renewed. Every day, I have to be changed. Every day, I have to be transformed. Every day, this has to happen. Every day. But what doesn't need to happen is I don't need to keep thinking that I'm disconnected from God because I made a mistake. I just need to dust off my feet and keep going. He tells Peter, now hear me, guys, because I'm about to prove my point. He tells Peter, you are clean, but not all of you. John specifically says that he's talking about Judas when he says that not all of you are clean. But when he's talking to Peter, he tells Peter he's clean. Guys, some verses later, Jesus is about to tell this same Peter, you're going to deny me three times to my face. You're going to lie and say you don't know me. Judas is going to betray me, but you're going to lie and say you don't know me. You're going to turn your back on me, Peter. You're going to go in your own way. You're going to do your own thing. That's what you're going to do. Peter says, I will never do that. What are you talking about? Jesus says, yes, you will. You're going to deny me to my face. Now, with all this in mind that Jesus knows that Peter is going to do, he still tells him, you're clean. I know you're about to cuss out a little girl some verses later, Peter, because he does. I know you're about to deny me to my face, but you're still clean. You're still clean. Judas is about to sell him off for some money. There really is no difference in what Judas is doing and what Peter's doing. They both betray him and deny him. But what is the difference between Peter and Judas? Why is Peter considered clean when Judas is not considered clean? The Bible says that Jesus tells his disciples, one of you is going to betray me. One of you is going to betray me. Peter looks at John. Because John is the closest to Jesus and he says, ask him who he's talking about. John leans his head on Jesus's breast and says, uh, who are you talking about? Jesus says, the one who I dip the bread in sauce and give it to. When I dip this bread in sauce, the one who I give it to, he's going to betray me. Jesus dips the bread in sauce and gives it to Judas. The Bible says when Judas gets the sauce and eat, gets the bread and eats it. Satan immediately fills Judas's, Judas's heart. And Jesus looks at him and says, that which you are going to go do, do it quickly. Jesus says, that which you are going to go do, do it quickly. Satan filled Judas's heart and Judas left out and went and did what he did. Peter denied Jesus. Judas betrayed Jesus. The difference between them was Peter sincerely intentionally 
was trying to do the right thing, but he was going to make a mistake in the future. Judas had come into agreement with the devil. He chose to live a lifestyle secretly. He chose to do his own thing secretly. He chose to live the way he was going to live. And so Satan had free access to fill his heart. If you're wondering if you're clean or not, have you given Satan access to your heart? Have you come into agreement with the lifestyle that you live in? Have you been homosexual so long that now you've convinced yourself that it's no longer a sin against God and it's just the way that God made you? Have you been cheating on your wife for so long that you've come into agreement with it and you've just decided in your heart, well, she's not doing enough. I'll be okay. I'm just messing up. God to cover me. That's not a genuine mistake. That's not a genuine struggle. Peter denied emphatically that he would deny Jesus. He looked him in his eyes and said, I would never do that. And Jesus knew his heart's intention was to follow him for real. But Jesus knew he would make a mistake. And the reason why Jesus could call him clean before he ever made the mistake is because Jesus knew where his heart would really be. We throw around this term, God knows my heart, and that should scare you that he knows your heart because he knows when you have come into agreement with the lifestyle that he does not want you to live. And whenever you come into agreement with the lifestyle that Jesus has not called you to live, you open up your heart for Satan to fill it and for you to go into the wrong way. The Bible says, the Bible says that when Judas does this, he leaves out of the room and then it was night. He leaves out of the room and then it was night. It talks about that in two ways, a literal sense and a symbolic sense. Literally, when he went outside, it was dark now. But symbolically, he went into spiritual darkness. There's a lot of us that have played two lives for so long that eventually you're going to go into darkness. And what is darkness when the Bible talks about it? It's when Satan blinds your heart to the truth. Now, you are a totally new person. You're a totally different person. Where you did believe this, now you don't even believe it no more. Now you begin to twist scriptures to meet your twisted lifestyle. What has happened to your heart? Maybe it's been blinded. Now that's me addressing those that have come into agreement with lifestyles of sin that they know God has not sanctioned. But then there's another group of us that are genuinely trying. You're genuinely trying to live right. You're genuinely trying to be holy. You're genuinely trying to do all that God has called you to do. But there are still some times in your life where you make mistakes. Where you fall. Where you don't get up. Where you feel like God has just left you and that you've done so much that you can't even get back to him. I want to tell you, just like God told Peter, if he washed you, he washed you. Just let him wash your feet. Let him pick you up from that place that you've decided to lay in just because you don't think you're good enough. Not because you've come into agreement with it, but because you don't think that God wants you anymore. I'm here to tell you he is not afraid to become close to the dirtiest part of you. Nothing you've done in your life has shocked God. God has never been shocked by anything you've done. For him to be shocked would mean that he could not be all-knowing. 
If I'm shocked, it's because I was shown some information that I didn't know existed. Can you imagine God looking at you and saying, oh, my God, I did not know she would do that. Oh, my me, I did not know she would do that. No, God is not shocked by anything you've done. And so he's not afraid of what you've done. Church people might be. Your mama might be. Your sisters might be disgusted with the stuff you did. But God is able to reach down and snatch you up. You are more clean than you think. You are more given over to him than you think. If there is a battle, you have not been conquered. If there is a battle, you have not been conquered. God will clean you and he has cleaned you. What do I mean by he has cleaned you? He has regenerated you. He has justified you and he will continue to help you along the way. I pray that this helped you. I pray that this blessed you. And I pray that this helps you to see that God's love for you is beyond anything that you could ever conceive. Him as God came down just to just to come in contact with the nastiest part of you. A God that is beyond holy. You can't comprehend the holiness of God. Yet and still, he wants to know you intimately. He wants to know the dirtiest parts of you and he wants to change you and regenerate you you are not far gone you are not lost and you are not left i want you to know god's will for your life will prosper no matter what you think so i love you and i pray that you will see the day and the time come when god can transform and renew your life in a way that you've never seen before i'll see you next time stay tuned, stay tuned and keep tuning well i hope you enjoyed that and i hope it was a blessing to you you were tuning in to my church service i want you to understand something god cleansed you he cleaned you and just like jesus said you don't need to take a shower if you've taken a bath if he's cleaned you you ain't got to keep coming back and asking him to do it what needs to happen now is you got to live a life of repentance you got to live a life surrender to him and watch how he transforms and makes you new I want you to rate this podcast, share this podcast, leave a review for this podcast, and stay tuned every Friday. We're bringing you heat. Love you. Bye-bye.